You're listening to the Pac-12 Conference of Champions Delve Into the 12 podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Conference of Champions Delve Into the 12 podcast. For the next seven weeks, I'll be covering the 2020 college football season, specifically the Pac-12. Regardless of who you are, my name is Spencer Jarvis, and I'm a one-man band today, giving you my preseason looks on each team, as well as what my predictions on what I think will happen in Week 1's matchups. With that being said, let's get on some even ground. I think it's safe to say we are all relieved that football is back. We can turn off CNN, Fox News, put political differences aside, and finally be able to wake up on Saturday morning and watch some Pac-12 football. There is nothing more enjoyable than watching college football in the Conference of Champions, where every team beats up on each other on Saturdays and makes it impossible for any team in the Pac-12 to receive a playoff bid and actually compete to become a champion. Regardless of that matter, if you have a team in the Pac-12, this podcast is for you. I'll be talking about your team as well as the 11 others in the conference so that you are well equipped on what to expect on a Saturday of football. First thing I want to do today is start with a brief analysis of each team along with their week one matchup and then from there I will give you my prediction of what I expect to see happen. Now let's get right into it. Uh... Starting with USC and Arizona State, 9 a.m. on Fox. Uh, this USC team back in 2019 last year, they went 8-5 and five with a 7-2 and two record in conference play. Clay Helton, he's now in his sixth year with USC. He's got a 40-22 and 22 overall record. However, he is only 13-12 and 12 in his last 25 games, including a 49-24 loss to Iowa in the Holiday Bowl. They do return arguably the conference's best quarterback in Keaton Slovis. They also return 17 starters, which is the most of any Pac-12 team. They've got eight on offense and nine on defense, along with their kicker and punter. Overall, they returned 69 players that saw action, which is the most they've had since 1989. Winners of the five of their last six games, they really do seem poised for big things in 2020, given their talent and experience. Their key returners, mentioned before, Keaton Slovis. This guy threw for 3,500 yards last year, 30 touchdowns, and 9 picks. Along with Keaton Slovis, some of his targets this year, you've got Amonra St. Brown, who had over 1,000 receiving yards and 6 touchdowns, and Tyler Vaughn, who had close to 1,000 yards receiving as well as 6 touchdowns. On defense, they return uh, Talanoa Hufanga, who had 90 tackles, um, along with Isaiah Polamau out of Mountain Point High School in Chandler, Arizona. He had 73 tackles last year. And uh, D-lineman Jay Tufeli, who had four and a half sacks, first team All-Pac-12. Now, some of the key losses, though, that they're replacing, Michael Pittman Jr., who I do, you know, he, he put up 1,200 yards receiving and 11 touchdowns. These guys national top 20 in all categories. However, Tyler Vaughn and Amonra St. Brown, I think, will do a good job replacing him. Along with that, they lose out on Austin Jackson, first team All-Pac-12. He's an early entrant to the NFL. They also lose out on John Houston Jr., who led their team in tackles with 104. Some more stats and info on USC. They returned 12 of their top 13 tacklers. I do expect fully that their defense will be solid this year. But even in years to come, and I don't want to get too far ahead because I want to keep this somewhat on week one, this USC team has 22 commits for 2021. They've got 
13 four-stars. Their recruiting class is seventh in the nation, uh, second in the conference, only behind Phil Knight himself and Oregon. Uh, However, keep that in mind for 2021. Along with that, in seasons, now let let me pause for this. In seasons that the Summer Olympics have been held, USC has won four national titles. With the Tokyo Summer Olympics being pushed to July 2021, will this be a sign of success for the Trojans or an omen? I don't know. Again, the recruiting class bringing in 15 four-stars. Who knows? But again, let's focus on this year. USC, they've made wholesale changes to the defense after giving up school record total yards last year. They bring in Texas defensive coordinator Todd Orlando to head their defense. Graham Harrell's air raid offense, he's poised for an even bigger season with Slovis and returning wideouts accounting for 194 catches and 18 touchdowns. If the defense can pick up on Orlando's scheme, this could be a really special year for USC, who is projected first in the Pac-12 South. Uh, They will be favored, and they could be a playoff contender if they win the conference. Now, with that being said, they have their work cut out for them week one against Arizona State. This Arizona State team, 2019, they come in with a record of 8-5, and 4-5 in conference play, including a 20-14 Sun Bowl win over Florida State. Herm Edwards, gr- only, only great things to say about Herm Edwards. He enters his third season. While they're only 15-11 and 11 overall, the things that he's doing with this program is monumental. They welcome a new offensive coordinator in Zach Hill from Boise State, where he was the Offensive, he's been there for the past four years as OC at Boise State. They also welcome a familiar face at defensive coordinator and Marvin Lewis, who will co-coach the defense with associate head coach Antonio Pierce. Now, again, with Keaton Slovis arguably being the conference's best quarterback. Right up there with him at second projected is Jaden Daniels. This guy had just under 3,000 yards passing, uh, 17 touchdowns, and two interceptions. One of those interceptions coming on a Hail Mary. This guy very well could have been 17-1 and one, uh, when it comes to ball security for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, with that being said, Jaden also competed in the Elite 11 coming out of high school. Now, he competed with guys Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix out of Auburn, Grant Gannell out of Arizona, and he arguably had one of the best freshman season campaigns in comparison to these guys. You know, Spencer Rattler not really playing his freshman year for Oklahoma. Sam Howell actually having a good year at North Carolina. But anyways, Jaden Daniels had an amazing freshman campaign. Now, he's also got some huge assets at the wide receiver position coming back. Uh, In the X position will be Frank Darby. Huge deep ball threat. This guy had 600 yards receiving, 8 touchdowns, tied for the team lead. Uh, Stupid swole, as all of his friends call him there. Uh, they've also got on defense Jermaine Lolay and Jack Jones returning. Some of the key losses, though, they have to replace. Eno Benjamin. All right, Eno Benjamin had a great campaign uh, in his junior year at Arizona State uh, where he, he had... Uh, he had 1,000 yards rushing, 42 receptions, and 12 total touchdowns. He was a main back uh, in, in realistically a one-back offense last year for them. Um, they did bring in two four-star uh, recruits who, who will see some playing time this year, uh, Diamante Trayonum and Daniel Nagata. Diamante Trayonum, he's projected to uh, take the second spot, though, as ASU picked up a junior college recruit in Rashad White. Uh, so on the depth chart already listed is Rashad White, who will get the most reps. Uh, but don't be surprised if you do see Diamante Trayonum get some carries. They do also lose out on Brandon Ayuk, who is a senior, graduated, and headed to the NFL, where he's ripping it up for the 49ers right now. 
Anyways, this is a team they'll be good for years to come, right? They're recruiting like crazy. They're pulling guys from all across the country and they're only getting better. Similar to USC, right? They currently have 16 commits for 2021, five four stars. They're 34th nationally and fifth in the conference. However, I fully expect that number to rise and expect ASU to finish higher than fifth in the conference in recruiting when all is said and done. You may have heard about some of the decommits that ASU's had. Uh, They've had four recent decommits, all three stars. However, it has been reported though that they are in line to upgrade those losses so anyways ASU returns plenty of talent on the defense as well they uh they've already announced that they're going to switch to a 4-3 defense under longtime NFL coach Marvin Lewis offensively ASU welcomes the highest rated wide receiver recruit unit to campus and should see two of those four freshmen start right away in LV Bunkley Shelton who it's been reported that this guy is just an absolute workhorse his work ethic from a kid Antonio Pierce has been recruiting this guy since he was you know just a youngin and uh along with him is uh big I think he's what six 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 eight wide receiver johnny wilson huge possession receiver for arizona state so i fully expect those two guys to contribute right away uh quarterback Jaden daniels he's an absolute star he's had he had the poise of a fifth year senior last year i think if the o-line stays healthy expect on improvement in scoring under zach hill who brings that boise state high-powered balanced offense to Tempe. ASU, they're expected to be the team to challenge USC in the South, and we'll get a chance at them to start the season at the Coliseum. So I'll give you all my predictions on this game at the end of this. Let me jump into another team now. Utah hosting Arizona at 1 p.m. up in uh, Rice-Eccles Stadium. That'll be played on ESPNU this Saturday as well. This Utah team, they come in with a 2019 record of 11-3 and and 8-2 and in conference play. Kyle Whittingham, he's entering his 16th full season as head coach. He's the longest tenured coach in the conference. This guy's 131-64 and overall, including 11-3 and in their uh, in bowl games under, under Kyle Whittingham. However, they have lost their last two. Um, anyways, this offseason, though, it consisted of plenty of competition and uncertainty heading into the season. They've got they've got battles all over the place at quarterback and and running back their key loss is tyler huntley huntley for heisman right as utah fans say this guy threw for over 3,000 passing yards 19 touchdowns and only four picks similar to Jaden daniels that we just talked about this guy had great ball security for the utes they also lose out on zach moss who's now with the bills this guy had 1400 carries correct me if i'm wrong in the comments but uh this guy he's an all-time leading rushing record for utah am i wrong this guy had 15 touchdowns in the season as well and uh, 388 reception yards. They also lose out on defensive players Julian Blackman and Bradley Anai. 13 sacks from Anai, four picks from Blackman. Now, this running back battle that they have going on between junior Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore, sophomore. Uh, I've talked to a lot of Utah fans. They do think that Jordan Wilmore will take the top spot for the Utes at back. However, Devin Brumfield does seem to be in the top position to take that uh, main slot role. However, Utah will have a two-back offense for sure. You'll see both of those guys play. At quarterback battle, sophomore Cam Rising was supposed to step in and take the job. However, South Carolina transfer Jake Bentley does seem like he will take the top spot in this quarterback battle i fully expect that this qb battle will be a case of iron sharpening iron i think cam rising will push jake bentley but jake bentley will come out on top and be a pretty successful quarterback for the utes anyways we'll see on that 
Uh, some of the other key returns they got, Devin Lloyd, uh, linebacker, 91 tackles. He led their team last year. Offensive tackle Nick Ford, center Orlando Umana. Uh, big offensive tackle Simi Moala, 6'7", 312. And uh, tight end Brent Keithy, who had six touchdowns on the year and 600 yards passing last year. So this Utah team, they should be all right this year. Let me jump more into that, though. This Utah team on the defense last year, they only gave up 15 points a game, six in the country, right? Arguably should have been in the Pac-12 playoff unless or if they wouldn't have lost to Oregon in the uh, Pac-12 conference game there. This team also had six players drafted, five of them from the defense. Can this defense survive this year? I don't know, but this defense, because the reason I say that, defense loses nine of their top 11 tacklers, so they may have to replace their entire secondary, depending if Nephi Sewell moves to linebacker or not. You just can't expect Utah to get after the quarterback like last year. Uh, still, it's Utah, and Whittingham, he always seems to coach up his players really well. This guy, it really, he, he recruits three stars. This guy gets so many three stars. They've gotten a few four stars really in the past couple years, but this guy, he has a great history of recruiting three stars, bringing them in coaching them up and competing with these four and five star guys so I, I expect Utah this year though to run behind that big nasty line they got and run a lot if Whittingham if he can work his magic on the defense and they can slow some teams down just enough Utah could be a surprise team so again they play Arizona and this Arizona team they come off a uh, four and eight record in 2019 two and seven in conference play Kevin Sumlin, he enters his third season, the Dirty T of Tucson. Uh, he's 9-15 at U of A, but he's 95-58 overall. And Kevin Sumlin, I, I think he's a great coach. What he did at Texas A&M, did a good job. So can he turn U of A around? I'll get into that a little bit later, but let's talk about their team. Sumlin, he'll have his top three pass catchers returning this year, which is huge. They got Castile at 45 receptions, Cunningham 35 receptions last year, and Jamari Joyner at 34 receptions because... That's important because they got Grant Gannell returning at quarterback. Uh, he split time last year, last year with Khalil Tate, but he still was able to pass for 1,200 yards, throw nine touchdowns, and only one pick. Um, so I think Grant Gannell, he's a fabulous quarterback. I think he's going to do a really good job this year. I really do. So biggest story, though, for U of A, their defense, man. Oh, my goodness. They, they gave up 35.8 points a game last year. That's dead last in the conference. 118th in college football. Just atrocious defense. Uh, good news, Kevin Sumlin. They cleaned house on the coaching staff with the defense, which is good. They hired Paul, Ro Paul Rhodes with their new defensive coordinator and uh, Stan Egan as their new D-line coach. They brought in two new additions up on the D-line. They got Aaron Blackwell coming from New Mexico State and Roy Lopez Jr. from New Mexico State. Both, I think, will, are great additions. Roy Lopez Sr. is actually my high school football coach. I didn't play football myself. I'm a little too skinny. He probably didn't want me, which is all good. Um, but he comes from a, Roy Lopez comes from a great family, good football family. So I don't think they're going to be giving up 36 points a game this year. How much of an improvement will we see? I don't think a lot. Um, but we will see how well they do. Uh, again, some of the key returners they got coming back, uh, Grant Gannell at quarterback, but they also got Gary Brightwell at running back, five touchdowns last year, 360 yards on the ground. Uh, Brian Castile, again, 45 receptions, three touchdowns, and uh, senior DB Lorraine Burns, who had four picks last year. Some of the key losses they have, Khalil Tate, see, and this is tricky because I don't, 
necessarily view that as a loss. All right, Kev, everybody knows Khalil Tate. He did not fit very well into that offense. Uh, had a great sophomore campaign. Junior year got worse. Senior year, by that time, Grant Gannell, much better job. Khalil Tate threw 14 touchdowns, but he had 11 interceptions uh, and threw on for only 1,900 yards. So I don't think that's a huge loss there. They do lose out on J.J. Taylor, though. That hurts out a little bit. Five touchdowns on the ground, 721 yards. And they also lose uh, linebacker Colin Schooler, who had 98 total tackles. Kevin Sumlin, has he been getting it done for U of A? I don't think so, right? Kevin Sumlin, he's on the ultra-hot seat in Tucson right now. He has perhaps the toughest first-half schedule as well in the conference with Utah, USC, and Washington in his first three games. Can he survive this 0-3 start? This is a U of A team that before everything with COVID, they're projected to go 0-10 in conference play by ESPN. They weren't even projected to go one win. Uh, So can he survive this start? I don't think so but we will see uh, he does have some pieces to work with on offense with Gunnell and his top three receivers back um, but can his defense stop anyone again they cleaned house but we'll see uh, and I'll give you my prediction on that game later now let's move into the next team the next matchup we got coming is UCLA at Colorado 4 p.m. on uh, ESPN 2 there and uh, Colorado comes in off a 2019 record 5 and 7 3 and 6 in conference play of those 5 wins they had 3 of them were only by a field goal so those games could have gone either way they've only had one bowl game in the last 13 season and their 2021 recruiting class they're 66th in the nation 10th in the conference 17 commits so far and no four or five stars but the biggest storyline for Colorado Mel Tucker previous coach for the Buffs bolts for Michigan State once Mark D'Antonio leaves and that vacancy is open there Uh, so the Buffs they then tab former UCLA coach Carl Durrell I think it's a great hire he was conference coach of the year back in 05 he led UCLA to a 10 and 2 record and a Sun Bowl victory uh, Durrell, he was 35 and 27 with his time with the Bruins from 03 to 07. Funny enough, though, he actually played his college ball at UCLA and he'll coach his first game with the Buffs against UCLA at home. Uh, his latest gig, he previously coached the receivers at Colorado under Bill McCartney. Sorry, no, he coached in the NFL. He coached with the he was a wide receivers coach for the Jets, uh, also coached for the Dolphins there. But he has coached at Colorado in the past. Uh, he was a receiver coach under Bill McCartney when they had their most success. Uh, now as a head coach, though, his defense, he'll keep a 3-4 base. He wants an offense that's balanced, uh, though he's already acknowledged that they have to play to, the, play to the, their strengths now with the guys that they got until he can get the guys that he wants in with recruiting. Um, some of the key returners, though, for Colorado, two pair of running backs. They got Alex Fontenot. Uh, he had 874 yards on the ground with five TDs last year. They also have sophomore running back Jaron Mangum, 441 yards on the ground and three touchdowns as well as receiver KD Nixon three touchdowns in the air and 465 yards receiving on the defensive side inside linebacker Nate Landman's back he had uh, 113 tackles, two sacks, one pick. Uh, really, seniors Akil Jones and Nate Landman, they'll, they'll be one of the most productive and experienced inside linebacker duos in the conference. So I think they could do some damage on defense. We'll see. 
Uh, on the other side, key loss on the offense. Do you, see, I feel like Steven Montez has been at Colorado for the past like eight or nine years, man. Big Stevie Montez. Uh, came off a 17 touchdowns, 10 pick season last year. Who do they got to replace him? I mean, they, on the depth chart, the next guy they had in line was Tyler Little, but uh, you know, Colorado already named Sam Neuer, converted safety as uh, the Buffs' opening day QB. He came in as a quarterback. He wanted to contribute, so they moved him on over to safety, and now he's back at quarterback uh, rather than entering the transfer portal, actually. So uh, yeah, we'll see if uh, replacing that key loss in Stevie Montez will help. The other key losses they got, LaVisca Chenault Jr., fantastic wide receiver, four touchdowns, 764 yards receiving. Tony Brown, another wide receiver, and uh, Mikhail Onu, who also had four picks last year on the defensive side. Altogether, this will be a rebuilding year for the Buffs. I don't think a bowl game is expected. We'll see if they surprise, uh, but there's not a lot ex- I would expect from them this year. Uh, their first week matchup, again, they got UCLA on the other end. 2019 record, 4-8. and eight. Four and five in the conference. Chip Kelly he begins his third season at UCL with a dismal seven and six, seven and seventeen record in his first two years there. Some of the key losses UCLA has: Josh Kelly at running back. He had over a thousand rushing yards and twelve touchdowns. Devin Asiasi at tight end. Man, I feel like I've heard that name for a while as well. Six hundred forty-one yards, four touchdowns. Darnay Holmes at DB. Uh, really, they lose. Yeah, the DB. They lose a linebacker at Chris Barnes. Uh, they got two right, a right guard and right tackle. Christophany Murray. I don't even know if I'm saying his first name right. Doesn't matter. He transferred to Oklahoma. Jake Burton transferred to Baylor. So they lose out on a, on a on a couple of guys this year. Some of their key returners. DTR man. Dorian Thompson Robinson. 21 touchdowns, 12 picks, 2,700 yards. He's, right now, he's he's third in the conference projected as quarterback. I think he's a great quarterback. He did a lot. He did pretty well last year. I expect him to continue right where he left off. Um, another a couple. He's he's throwing to redshirt sophomore wide receiver Kyle Phillips. 680 yards in the on the uh, in the air, five touchdowns. He led the team in all, so it's it's good to have him back, uh, linking up with Dorian Thompson Robinson. They also have Stephen Blay Blaylock as a DB returning, who also led the team with 86 total tackles. Uh, this UCLA team, they similar to U of A, they gave up 34.8 yards or yards, sorry, points per game to. Their, their opponents. Second worst in the conference to U of A at 35.8 and 116th overall in the nation. So can this defense improve? I don't think so, but we'll see. Again, uh, opponents, man, they completed 66.4% of passes for 310 yards per game. So we'll see if their defense can change a little bit. They got 13 commits for the class of 2021, including one four-star, seventh in the conference so far, 50th in the nation. Chip Kelly's tight ends and run are, are a run-heavy absence offense they I, they're gonna take a hit their top three tight ends are gone it's not clear if there is a reliable replacement in addition i mean the right side of their o-line transferred to the big 12 schools so the good news is again quarterback wide receiver passing pipeline of dtr to kyle phillips is back i, I think that's going to be huge for the bruins moving forward uh the bruins they'll they'll seemingly rely on the passing game there though there is no every down back returning this year so expect the bruins to use the short 
short passing game like a running play, uh, rely on their tall receivers to move the ball, rely on the, the legs of DTR to, to extend some plays and move the ball forward. Still, it's not in Chip Kelly's nature to ever abandon the run game totally. I expect a more balanced run pass attempt offense until he can establish that running back in there. So anyways, let's move on again. We have playing at 4.30 p.m. Stanford at number 14 ranked Oregon on uh, ABC. So let's first take a look at this Oregon team. Oregon, what can you say about them? Defending Rose Bowl champs, 28-27 over Wisconsin. They're coming off a 12-2 season, 9-1 in conference play. They finished 5th ranked in the nation. The severely underpaid Mario Cristobal's Ducks finished in the top 16, both scoring average per game and scoring defense per game. Uh, Mario Cristobal, he's entering his third year in Eugene. They'll be favorites to win the North, uh, as per usual, really. Uh, I mean, there's so much I could talk about with Oregon. The biggest question questions will be who's going to replace Herbert at QB can they overcome their player opt-outs and can six games assuming all goes well be enough for them to get into the college football playoff uh, Richard sophomore quarterback Tyler Shue he's running with the starters right now uh, don't rule out Boston College transfer Anthony Brown um, Cristobal he's made this a competition all offseason he stayed silent um, so we'll see who comes out as the starter um, and is ex- it is expected that Shue he'll be the starter game one in Autzen um, against Stanford to open the season but you never know so key returners CJ Verdell uh, you know played a big role last year year 1200 yards on the ground eight touchdowns uh played a, a main back with habibi likio i really just wanted to say that last name habibi likio because i think it's probably the greatest last name in all of college football uh senior wide receiver johnny johnson returns 836 yards uh receiving seven touchdowns as well i think johnny johnson out of chandler arizona's fantastic receiver will make a huge impact for the ducks again uh on defense, Kayvon Thibodeau, man, 35 tackles, 9 sacks in his, in his freshman campaign. Oregon also has the addition of Justin Flo and Noah Sewell, number one and number two recruits at linebacker coming in. How are they going to do this year? Are they going to get playing time? I assume so. We'll see. Uh, key losses, Justin Herbert at quarterback, 32 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He's now with the Los Angeles Chargers. Throwing to my boy Keenan Allen. He's on my fantasy team. Uh, another two other key losses are uh, due to opt-outs, though. Outland Trophy winner Penny Sewell and uh, Thorpe Jim Thorpe Award finalist Javon Holland both opt-out in preparation for the draft. Again, this Oregon team last year, 35 points per game, 16th in the country, and uh, only gave up 16 and a half which is ninth in the country. So they returned eight of ten players that had double-digit receptions. Um, And, of course, when it comes to recruiting, they're third in the nation, first at the conference. Currently have 23 commits for the class of 2021. uh, Sorry, 16 of them are four and five stars, so they are getting it done when it comes to recruiting. Why? Because four of the top 10 Pac-12 recruiters are Oregon coaches. Uh, So, yeah, you can guarantee that does help. Uh, Oregon, they really have the skill players on offense to be very formidable. 
With just six games, they will not only need to sweep the season, but do so really in a, in a, in an impressive fashion in order to be considered for the playoffs. There is no current ranked opponent currently on their schedule uh, until they get to the conference championship, and assuming they do so. Uh, in other news as well, good news as of October 27th. Their program reported that five unnamed players tested positive for COVID, um, but they have been determined to be false positives. So you can expect to see those five players in the lineup if they are starters. Uh, once again, Oregon, you can expect to be Oregon coming out of the Pac-12 North on top. Uh, but again, week one, they face Stanford team, the boys from Stanford. Uh, quarterback Davis Mills, key returner, last year had just under 2,000 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, 5 picks. They also return running back Austin Jones, 45 carries, 200-plus yards on the ground. couple receivers to look for, Michael Wilson and Connor Weddington. Both had over 500 yards passing, 5 touchdowns from Michael Wilson. Connor Weddington, 1 touchdown himself. Key losses, K.J. Costello transfers to Mississippi State. Along with him, Mike Leach, we'll talk about Washington State uh, in two more matchups ahead of us, but... KJ Costello, does that hurt? I don't know. I would assume not so much. I think Davis Mills can get the job done. They also lose Cameron Scarlett, 840 rushing yards, and uh, linebacker Andrew Pritz at uh, 72 tackles. So this is a Stanford team, though. They do return 15 starters. They have a lot of experience, and they're projected to go 4-2 overall. Um, They're third in the conference when it comes to returners behind Cal and USC. The Stanford team, though, very interesting stat. They're they're a traditional ball control offense. They average four and a half minutes time of possession, longer than their opponents. Uh, Yet opponents, they ran 39 more plays and 748 more yards. So what gives? Stanford only rushes 105 and a half yards per game. It's their lowest since 2006 when they rushed 65.1 yards per game under Walt Harris uh, when they went 1 and 11, and Walt Harris was then fired after that season. Uh, five of their six games this year, though, they'll be against teams that are breaking in new quarterbacks. Uh, Stanford, they got their top four wide receivers coming back. The strength of their offense, though, will be their O-line and their wide receivers. Expect Stanford to continue to pass more, though, despite being a a normally uh, power-eye formation, heavily running team. Uh, I just don't think they have the guys like they've had in the past. Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Love, again, losing out on Cameron Scarlett. I think they'll be a lot more balanced playing to the strength of their receivers that are returning. Uh, Again, five of their six new QBs, uh, opponents breaking in new QBs, and uh, ESPN, again, has Stanford going 4-2 with losses to Oregon and Washington. Um, They also have a 52.8% chance to beat Cal. So... Moving right on into Cal, though, they got an upcoming game uh, against Washington and Berkeley, 7.30 p.m. That game will be played on ESPN. So this Cal team last year, 2019, 8-5 record, 4-5 in conference play with a bowl win against Illinois in the Red Box Bowl, 35-20. Coach Justin Wilcox, he enters his fourth season with a record of 20-18 and 18 overall, and his teams have increased their win total in each of his first three seasons. Is Cal on the uprise? Absolutely. Key returners, Chase Garbers. I was watching that Arizona State-Cal uh, game last year when Chase Garbers did get hurt. Cal was in complete control of that game. 
game. Cal was undefeated at the time. Cal's a very good team. Uh, they lost their captain last year, and I think it really took a toll on the rest of their season. So to have him back and hopefully 100% healthy, I think Cal does some damage. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had 14 touchdowns last year and three picks on 1,700 yards passing. So I do think Chase Garbers will be a threat this year in the Pac-12 North. Along with him, some of the other key returners, Chris Brown Jr., 914 yards on the ground with four touchdowns. They've also got on the defense Cameron Bynum at cornerback and inside linebacker Keone Dang. So this defense, though, very good defense. They only gave up 21 points a game last year, which was 33rd in the nation. Uh, why is their defense so good? Well, defensively, Wilcox, he employs this classic bend-but-don't-break defense uh, what that means, Cal, they've allowed opposing quarterbacks to complete 64% of passes, which is 108th in the country. Um, with that being said, though, they went nearly all year without giving up a big play. Uh, Cal defenders, they rarely let players go past them, keeping receivers in front of them, but immediately tackling them. Um, if you look at their stats, I mean, Cal had two linebackers with well over 100 tackles. Evan Weaver, one of their key losses, 181 tackles at linebacker, and Kiwani Deng, who I mentioned before, who had 121 tackles. So how will their, this defense match up again this year? I, I assume Justin Wilcox will keep this the same. Um, among the key losses as well, though, they do lose out on linebacker Tevin Paul, who has opted out uh, to play this season, and cornerback slash safety Jalen Hawkins, who had 53 tackles and three picks last season, who led their team. Uh, Cal, they've only only five teams have given up more sacks than the Bears last year, and uh, again, talking about with them being on the rise, they have 19 commits for the class of 2021 and five four stars. So. They're 19th in the nation and third in the conference. So offensively, though, the season, it really rests on a healthy Chase Garbers and a stable offensive line, right? Cal gave up a sack on an alarming 11% of dropbacks, which is not good for the health of your quarterback. So Cal finished the year strong at 4-1 once the O-line found some stability. So they're looking to continue that into the, this upcoming season. Unlike the last two years, though, the Bears will have to rely on their offense to win them some games, but the defense should be better than average in the conference to make them a potential surprise in the North. So looking at their opponent week one, you've got Washington coming in. This Washington team defense is clearly the strength of this team and will be a very talented, experienced and fierce unit. Despite losing two defensive players who declared for the draft, their talented players are already there, ready to replace them. Uh, really, this secondary may be the best in the nation, led by Elijah Molden, Trent McDuffie, and Keith Taylor. So, offense, they'll have an inexperienced quarterback, but there's a good line and decent skill players to work with. Uh, however, it does it, it looks like that they're just waiting for the five-star recruit they got coming in at quarterback in Sam Heward. Um, with that being said, the quarterback battle that they got going on, uh, I mean, it's it's they're waiting for this this recruit to come in uh, in pro style legacy quarterback Sam Heward, first year coach Jimmy Lake. He hinted to the Seattle Times on October 24th that as many as three quarterbacks could play that opening day against Cal. Uh, with that being said, Washington already came out with their depth chart, and they do have Ethan Garbers at quarterback starting that game is that going to be true who knows we'll see but ethan garbers versus chase garbers little brother rivalry i would love to see it um we'll see though if he if he uh 
plays well. Um, really, who was in line to take that starting role was Jacob Sermon, um, but he was only two of three with 19 yards and no touchdown or picks. So, uh, again, not a lot of depth there at quarterback. Very, very inexperienced, but we'll see who emerges victorious throughout the year. Touching back on that defense, man, that the, the key returners, the edge rusher, very athletic, Liatu Latu. Don't know if I pronounced that right. Again, Elijah Molden, elite corner. He's got 79 tackles, four picks. Um, on the offensive side, running back Richard Newton. He had 10 touchdowns last year, just under 500 yards rushing. And a wide receiver who I would like to see make a, an impact and stay healthy is Puka Nakua. Uh, he was on his way to have a pretty good year last year before he got injured, uh, battling that ankle injury. However, he is doing a lot better with it. I've actually been playing ball with him at the rec center. He's doing well. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see like to see him stay healthy. Again, this defense last year they put up just under twenty, gave up only uh, nineteen points a game, fifteenth in the country, um, and their twenty twenty recruiting class is heavy as well. They're twenty sixth in the nation, fourth in the Pac twelve. They're getting it done. Um, I think they'll come out uh, second in the North. But uh, again, their defensive scheme is a three four. The practice game that they had on October twenty fifth completely dominated by the defense. It was a nine to six game. Uh, and none of the quarterbacks distinguish themselves from the others. So, I mean, with that being said, we'll see how well their offense does. You know, in practice, this offense going up against their defense, which again is arguably one of the best defenses in the nation when it comes to the secondary. So, you, you got to wonder what guys like Puka Nakua, you know, how that makes him better going up against that defense every day in practice. So, you know, this defense only allowed 190 passing yards last year, second only to Cal, and all five starting secondary returns. So, again, we'll see how that first game plays out between the Garber brothers. I'm excited to watch it, though. Now, last but not least, Washington State at Oregon State also played at 7.30 p.m. on FS1. This Oregon State team, second-year coach Jonathan Smith, fell short of a bowl last season. Uh, the record 5-7 and seven in his first year. A main story, though, they lose solid quarterback to wide receiver combo in Jake Luton and Isaiah Hodgins, man. Jake Luton, senior his senior campaign was amazing. 28 touchdowns, 3 picks, 2,700 yards in the air. Isaiah Hodgins, his main, main go-to guy, 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns. So, yeah, that hurts to lose those two guys. Um, who do they got to replace them? A lot of guys with a lot of inexperience. Um, Tristan Jebbia, he's, he only had 60 pass attempts, 340 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, but he's already 12 out of 12 when it comes to quarterbacks in the Pac-12. So we'll see how he does this year. Colby Taylor to replace Isaiah Hodgins. 22 catches, 219 yards, one touchdown. Obviously, you know, he'll get a lot more looks now that Hodgins is gone, but it's tough shoes to fill with that wide receiver to quarterback combo. Running back Jamar Jefferson, 142 carries, 685 yards, eight touchdowns. Main running back this year, probably going to be the spotlight there. They return some good defensive players, though, that can really get after the quarterback and get into the backfield well. Uh, 6'4", 235 wrecking ball, Hamilker Rashid Jr. This guy had 14 sacks in 2019. I expect the same thing in 2020. This guy's an animal, uh, so we'll see if he can get it done. 
along with with him at linebacker you got junior linebacker and sophomore linebacker junior linebacker avery robers 53 tackles two sacks and then uh, sophomore linebacker uh, omar spates this guy has 73 tackles which is third nationally among freshmen so we'll see if his sophomore campaign uh, can result as well as his freshman campaign did um now, this Oregon State team, schedule's not really in their favor as much of the teams on their six-game schedule. They really only beat Cal last year. All four players in their secondary return, though. So their linebacker unit, it's among the elite in the, elite in the conference. Um, so we'll see what they do defensively this year. Uh, as far as offense goes, the offense carried the Beavers last year. It'll be the other side of the ball that will need to carry them for the 2020 season. Uh, as again, this inexperience and talent, we'll, we'll see how well they do. Beavers, they'll need to replace three offensive linemen as well as their quarterback and receiver. Junior Jamar Jefferson, he's really going to need to show the production of his freshman year. He'll be expected to be the focal point of the offense this year. The defense, it's good enough to keep them in games, but with 30 juniors on the team, I really think their best shot at a bowl it's going to come in 2021 they could be a borderline bowl team at best this year uh, but again i think they're looking forward to that 21 2021 team they play though a washington team with first year coach nick rolovich who comes over from hawaii he spent the last four years at hawaii as their head coach he was 28 and 27 at hawaii with three bowl games uh however though last year hawaii won 10 games and they beat byu in a 38 to 34 hawaii bowl win <sighs> sorry about that guys uh, again his teams, though, it improved each season, and he has a reputation for slinging the ball all over the field. He's quarterback at Hawaii from 2000 to 2001, and he had a memorable game when he played in 2001 against BYU, threw for 543 yards and eight touchdowns in a 72-45 win over the Cougars. So, who are the guys he's got to work with coming in? Max Borgie, junior running back, killed it last year. 817 yards, 11 touchdowns on the ground. A uh, pair of wide receivers and Renard Bell and Travell Harris. On the other end of the ball, you have Jihad Woods, 73 total tackles, three sacks. Uh, yeah, they also return kicker Blake Mazza, Lou Groves Award finalist, 20 of 21 field goals from last year. Key losses they got to replace, though, of that air raid offense. Anthony Gordon, 48 touchdowns. Got to find a way to get those 48 touchdowns back. This guy had 5,500 yards passing. Uh, now, you don't necessarily need to do it with the air raid offense because uh, new coach coming in, Washington State, they'll be transitioning from that air raid to a run and shoot, and they'll need a quarterback to emerge that for transition to be smooth. So really, until uh, first year again, Coach Nick Rolovich can get his guys in, uh, we'll see how well they do with that on the offensive side of the ball. Again, they lose Anthony Gordon. They lose Aesop Winston Jr., Desmond Pattonman, uh, 11 touchdowns, 8 touchdowns, Brandon Arconado, 7 touchdowns all three of those guys receivers so this washington state team we'll see what they do offensively uh at quarterback that they'll have this year they've already come out and said that uh, freshman quarterback Jaden delora he's the one who impressed most in the scrimmage statistically as well on october 24th and he's been named day one starter uh this cup upcoming saturday 
Defensively, though, they just can't get any worse. I mean, this is, again, a team that gave up 50 second-half points to UCLA in a loss, so should be better than last year. New defensive coordinator Jake uh, Dickert came over from Wyoming. They only gave up 17.8 points per game last season, ran a 4-3 base, so I fully expect their defense to to do a little bit better, um, really, though, until he can uh, get the guys that Jake Dickert wants at defense in. So... That about sums it up, though, for the preseason analysis of each team in the conference. Uh, Now I'll finish up with my predictions, though, for week one. Uh, Unfortunately, I have had to cut my last recording of my predictions due to uh, the news just released. I was just about to release this, and then I got that notification that that Cal and Washington game uh, has been canceled. It has been confirmed in a statement released from the Pac-12 that uh, Cal's request to cancel the game was approved. This is due to Cal not having the minimum number of scholarship players available for the game as a result of the positive COVID-19 cases within their program. So speculations are, though, that Chase Garbers, he was scared of his younger brother, that he would beat him. Uh, I guess he heard Ethan and the Huskies were favorites in this game by six. Mom and dad may have taken bets on Ethan, and Chase got a little bit of stage fright. I don't know. Uh, Just what I'm being told. Um, I'm only kidding, obviously, but this really is unfortunate for both programs as well as the fans looking forward to tuning in on Saturday. So another week to wait for both Washington and Cal. Arizona at Utah, though. Utah comes in as 14-point favorites. I think Grant Ganelli puts up points in this game with what ultimately turned out to be a nuisance having Khalil Tate on the team last year. Now that he's gone, I think we're going to see what the Arizona offense was supposed to be like in this first game. Can they overcome Utah, though? Absolutely not. Jake Bentley at quarterback, he's going to make an impact in this game. Wilmore and Brumfield in the backfield, and I'm curious to see how the Utes will utilize ninth-year senior Britton Covey, who's back this year again. So I think Utah has their way with U of A, but does not cover the 14-point spread in a 34-24 point win over the Wildcats. Stanford at Oregon. Oregon comes in as 11.5 point favorites. Not a lot of argument I have in this game. I think Oregon wins this game and covers the spread. I'm really more intrigued to see how Stanford competes in this game. Again, this is a team projected to go 4-2 and this year and could be back on the incline. I do, however, have Oregon winning this game and covering the spread. Oregon's defense will be too much to handle for Stanford. I don't see them scoring more than 20 points. I have Oregon winning this game 38-16. to Washington State at Oregon State. Washington State comes in as three-point favorites. I've got Oregon State winning this game. I think Oregon State's defense, they're going to flat-out play better than Washington State's defense. Uh, And OSU, they will come out on top with some unfamiliar faces on both sides of the ball. OSU wins this game 23-20. UCLA at Colorado. UCLA comes in six-point favorites. Uh, I find that to be true and cover the spread. I got UCLA winning this game. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think he'll have a respectable game. I think Colorado's linebackers, though, I think they're going to limit him to an extent. Uh, But this game, it goes to UCLA 27-16. Last but not least, ASU at USC. This game will be good. Early game in the morning. I think it's a shootout between Keaton Slovis and Jaden Daniels. Remind you, USC, they haven't seen Jaden Daniels in college. Backup quarterback last year, Joey Yellen, who's now the starter over at Pittsburgh, he got the start with uh, Jaden Daniels bugging an injury uh, last year. So this is an ASU team um, that I, I could see surprise this year. Now, this is an ASU team who's had more on-field time than any other team during the pandemic. 
Herm Edwards, he likes to get after it. And while most teams, they started end of March or April time or were supposed to, this ASU team started back in February before the pandemic. I think that extended period of time was crucial considering they implemented the new offense with Zach Hill. I think first game jitters might be evident at the start of this game. Now, the most controversial thing to say in this podcast, I've got Arizona State coming out on top in the Coliseum. I could be very wrong, but I have ASU winning this game by out coaching USC. I think Herm Edwards and ASU are better prepared for this game than USC is. I think USC for sure has more talent, but when all is said and done, I've got Arizona State on top 34 to 31. Well, that about wraps it up. Big thank you to everyone who listened to this first episode of the Delve into the 12 podcast. Best of luck to your teams this week. Let's hope COVID tests remain negative, injuries limited, and enjoy an entertaining Saturday of Pac-12 college football. Again, I'm Spencer Jarvis, and we'll see you guys next week.